covering Phenomenon with special guest Adam Campbell. Enjoy the episode. Phenomenon. 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 Yeah, welcome to this episode of Covering <laughs> the, the 1996 Motion Picture Phenomenon. I have deleted that intro. <laughs> no, no, we are d- double it. That um, was really great, guys. <laughs> I'm glad you got to be Wait, here for that. Do you hear another voice with us, Jeff? Yeah. Oh my god. There gosh. is another voice with us. Who is with us? Yes, hello. Hello, Adam. Uh, this is Adam Campbell. This um, is a, a longtime want to guest on this show. Yep. Live from L.A. himself. And by live from L.A., I mean uh, we imported him <laughs> into yes. Chicago. Yep. Where you left us. Yes. You yes, left, I did. You left us. So, so actually, we're not talking about Phenomenon today. Yeah, well, this is actually an intervention. Yeah, we're talking about Adam. Uh, <laughs> talking about Adam. Uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. We, we, we've known you for a long time. Yeah. Uh, friends for a good bit. Um, and ever since day one of this podcast, you were one of the first people I reached out to about guesting. And you had Phenomenon earmarked from the very first. Yes. Uh, the moment I heard you were doing a podcast on John Travolta's entire filmography. Um, Phenomenon. you me, it is his entire filmography. <laughs> uh, Phenomenon was the first thing uh, yes. on my mind. And I said, I cannot wait for that episode. There was a group of like five people who we, I, we reached out to who were like, we want to have these people on this podcast. Yeah. You were among them. Everyone else is like, I got to think about it. You were like, phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> like, no I hesitation. Didn't, I didn't even finish typing the text and you'd already responded, phenomenon. Like, we had a lot of people who were like, oh yeah, like Hairspray or Pulp mm. Fiction or like one of the big ones, but... Yeah. Phenomenon. 1996, John Turtletaub. <laughs> romantic <laughs> fantasy drama. Why you gotta do my man like that? What, John Turtletaub? Turtletaub. No, it is Turtletaub. He directed uh, National, National Treasure. Treasure. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, he also directed The Sorcerer's Apprentice. He did. Um, he did. Man, Adam, I'm curious. What is your connection to Phenomenon? What is it that um, had you very intrigued by this? I just... Some of my earliest memories are watching this movie. Really? Um, yeah. Um, my dad, for some reason, has always had a uh, fascination with anything about telekinesis. Um, so as a child, I just watched Carrie and Phenomenon a lot. Um, Two John Travolta's. Yeah, that is true. So this this fascination with telekinesis. Um, we gotta we gotta we gotta we yeah. gotta wheel back and dive into this um, one. Um, <laughs> Well, it, uh, when I was little, um, I would see my dad staring at a lamp with, uh, you know, a dangly little mm. thing to turn it on and off. And um, I'd say, what are you doing? And he said, trying to make it move. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, if you're ever, you know, bored, just why don't you just stare at anything <laughs> dangling, anything that looks like it's easy to move and just try to move it. Was this fascination with telekinesis spawned from Phenomenon, or was this a byproduct of that? Um, my fascination with telekinesis yes. came from Phenomenon. Absolutely. My dad's, I really don't know. <laughs> no context. Yeah. I mean, like, like I have a pass with this movie, too, but only because, like, it seems like it played on TBS or TNT, like, 
mm. almost every single weekend in my childhood. So like we watched this movie quite a lot oh. and I had seen bits and pieces of mm. it. And I think at one point I did see it all the way through, but as a little kid probably. Mm. So yeah, not my first time watching it either. This was my first time watching this. I was unaware of this movie. And that surprised me when you first told me that. I was like, really? Uh, my total awareness of this movie was when we started this podcast and I saw one of John Trolls like using the force. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and it has the tagline, some things in life just can't be explained. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> I remember reading somewhere this was a baseball movie. I don't know where I saw that. It kind of has a vibe of a baseball it does. movie. It, really uh, does. it does. It has that Field of Dreams vibe, you mm. know, in Except the middle of nowhere. Instead of, you know, baseball, uh, having like, you know, seeking like, you know, peace with your, your ego and like super ego of Field of Dreams. And this is just John Trolls is like, no, I can move shit with my mind now. <laughs> and then uh, it has a very sad ending. It's a very sad ending, which we'll talk about later. Um, mm. But Jeff, yes, are there any ceremonious pretext to this movie yes. that you can find? It's a uh, time for the context corner, as always. Should um, I be putting music for the context? No, corner? I don't think we need music for the context okay. corner. It's a it's a corner, not a not, a, not a, its own place. So, phenomenon, um, you know, nineteen ninety six came out July third. This was a uh, July third movie. This was a Fourth of July weekend movie. Yep. This came out the same day as Independence Day. Which is oh my gosh, it did! The exact it? same day as Independence Day. I watched Indi- the, Okay, so we're recording this. This is coming out like three, four weeks from now, right? Mm. So like we're recording this the weekend of Independence Day or the Monday after yes. Independence Day weekend. The twenty fifth anniversary of both Independence Day and this movie was yesterday. Wow. wow. So this movie is twenty five years old as of yesterday. 25 wow. years this old. This is a very momentous recording session for this movie. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, this came the same weekend as Independence Day, which is crazy. Um, it provided counter-programming to it, because Independence Day, obviously, you know, big hit movie. But, right. Uh, you know, not everyone wants to go see uh, Aliens fight Bill Pullman and Will Smith. No? Uh, instead, not everybody? Believe it or not. Instead, on the more, like, wholesome side, because, you know, it's the 4th of July week, and a lot of families are trying to do things together... The other side was they went to go see a nice little movie about a guy who gets telekinetic powers. Or as the logline says, an amiable small town everyman is inexplicably transformed into a genius with telekinetic powers. Yep. Um, which is the plot of this movie. Yeah. Um, but it was Travolta's first, I'm trying to think of the, the wording to describe likable lead role. Or like it was his first heroic role after Pulp Fiction. In a sense. Yeah. Because that's not the correct word, but But I know what you're saying because the Pulp Fiction was a starting market where there was a collection of films he had done where he's not a likable character. Yes. Pulp fiction redefines him as like being able to put like a scumbag or like in a rough figure instead of like the clean cut dudes he has mostly always played. Well and we were talking earlier in the before that we started recording, but like I felt a lot of his character from Shout yes, in, in this, this movie. movie small town not super highly educated like the same set <laughs> but kind of like stoic with a certain wisdom you yeah. know only in this one it's a more of a literal sense that i would consider this movie it feels like an 80s to movie but with a budget and done well done it well. kind of has that vibe okay. of like one of those weirdo ass movies he was doing in the 80s it's like i don't want to get too much into like whether we like it or not like it but were you a fan of this i like this movie you liked it yeah yeah, I have thoughts. I, I don't. <laughs> it's not a thumbs down for me. It's not a thumbs down. Mm. I would say it's a slight thumbs up, but mm. for reasons which we'll yes. probably get into later. 
a very interest. It was an interesting movie above all else. Yeah, I, I really like this movie. Um, in terms of form, mm. um, it might not be the best. Um, but in terms of content, um, it, it still might not be the best. But it has, <laughs> it has, it has a lot of great moments. Um, that I'm excited to talk yeah, about. Th- this movie is deceptively interesting. That's a great way of saying like, it. That's movie, a great way of saying it. And its face value does not... It seems like, you know, like you said, it was play on TBS. And it feels like something that would play on, like, a daytime channel a lot. Yeah. But when you start thinking about some of the parts of this movie, you're like, oh, there's something there. They're doing something there. Um, it's, a li- it's, it's too strange and interesting to be ignored. Which is a big difference it has over a lot yeah. of the 80s movies, where it was just strange and boring. My biggest, I say, and again, I hate to jump ahead with this, but like, and this will lead us into other conversations as we talk about the plot, but my biggest beef with it is... That there's that the character's name is Lace. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, that there is no real concrete spine of this movie. Mm-hmm. There is no concrete like conflict. Mm-hmm. It's just something happens to a guy, and we watch that thing happen to yeah. him. There isn't like, oh, like at the beginning of the movie, like the town's going to be bulldozed over for a city corporate thing. And then in the meanwhile, John yeah. Travolta gets smart. He gets telekinetic powers, and that leads into the spine of which the, the conflict and the drama is yeah. happening. None of that. No, well, it's like. The, the conflict is inherently this is kind of the Jesus story. Okay, let's not. Adam, let's, are you on the same wavelength um, as me with this movie? Yeah. Can we skip ahead to a moment at the end, or do we want to get there? Let's get we'll, there. We'll get there. We'll get, okay. let's get there. This because... is kind of the Jesus story about a guy who's born with, um, who gets abilities and tries to help the community and is turned away, and they try and just like use him as a pariah, and they try and like discredit his amazing abilities. I don't give that this movie that much credit. Um, I th- it I think it's pretty textual that it's yeah, doing that. that. Yeah. Um, okay. There's well, a, there's a moment at the end. I'll, all right. We'll maybe get we'll get there. But I'll, let me finish up the context corner. Uh, so you know, Charles is back. He's a list. This is his first. Um, I would say clean cut is the best way to say it. Role since his redefinition with Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and I would put this in the level of a list, like yes. in the a list track. And he's been doing a lot of he's been doing a lot of movie star roles. Yeah. But not necessarily movie star movies. He, it, he has made the movie star movies. This feels like a movie star vanity project, and I don't say that as a slight. No, I agree. Like someone somewhere would probably, at the time that this was made, would say this was like an art arty film. This was an art house like film. This is this was a it, this was a mid budget movie. The kind of, we talk about this a lot. The mid budget movie that just doesn't exist anymore. Because Hollywood's like, why make a thirty million dollar movie and make a hundred and fifty when we can make a two hundred million dollar movie and make two billion? Yeah. Uh, so this is the type of movie that doesn't get made anymore, where the studio would fund something that's a little bigger than an indie, a little smaller than a like blockbuster, mm-hmm. and those would be the movies that um, a lot of big stars would get interested in doing. Yeah, guys like John Travolta would be like, oh, this is a small movie; it's a two month shoot, something that feels like an interesting story and it will be well funded yeah i'm not gonna have to skimp on the catering for lack of a better term (laughs) i'll get a trailer he'll get a trailer and so he does this movie and i think there's i think he felt an attachment to the material 
I haven't found, you know, I haven't found, like, exactly that. But there's, I get a vibe from John Travolta. This is the kind of story he's very interested in. In the scale, too. In the scale, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the hell? I'm reading uh, this random fun fact about this movie. Uh, Care to share for the class? Literally, IMDb trivia is so useless sometimes. It's John Travolta starting Carrie 20 years prior, where the title character is also telekinetic. <laughs> cool, thanks for putting that on IMDb <laughs> trivia. Yeah, person who put that there, right? Uh, it it is true. He was in both those movies. Does that make is that worthy of is trivia? Is this like inclusion? the anti carry movie where instead of murdering the whole town, yeah, this is good carry, and I don't mean good as in like good movie. I mean good carry is like if carry was good, right? A good a good person, not raised by this a is religious the zealot the, mom. This is the yin and the yang of carry. Uh, so man. Adam, you pretty much grew up with know. the yin and the yang of telekinesis. Yeah, that's true. Um, as a young child, I uh, much preferred this movie because yeah. Carrie was deeply disturbing. It was evil. Yeah, a little terrifying. Yeah. I, I still, I never saw Carrie herself as evil. I, I saw well, John, John yeah, Travolta no. as evil. The results yes. being yeah. quite catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carrie is, we, we, we talked about that with <laughs> Matt Abalde, our good friend. <laughs> um, oh. Are you taking apart my table? It was, it was Jack. <laughs> um, Have you but, met Jack, Adam? He's a, he's a, he lives here now. And Jack Nicholson lives here with me now. It's, yeah, I, I haven't met him yet. You know, uh, he he's out. He's buying some beers. So he'll be back in a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> you won't interrupt. The, the, uh, the Iron Duty trivia also list released on the same day as Independence Day, which also featured Brent Spiner. I'm like, thanks for sharing that useful information. Brent's, Brent, what what was Brent Spiner doing? Like he's just like in so many little things in this, in this period. Everyone loves him in Star Trek, so he's just getting all these like weirdo mini roles in movies. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, the context corner is really not too thick for this one. Uh, it's basically, you know, it's a Travolta's movie star, Alice Vanity Project. And he, it's the type of thing that movie stars did in this time was movies like this yeah. that would make, you know, a tidy little profit, make them feel good about their career choices. <laughs> I would say this is definitely not a stain. Yeah. And this was directed by John Turtletop, who we mentioned, who was also directed National Treasure 1 and 2. Cool Runnings. The Meg. The Meg. If anyone saw that. The Meg. <laughs> the one where uh, Jason Statham fights a shark. Who was voiced by Vin Diesel. Do you know that? He's, no, the shark doesn't talk. Uh, the shark roars. I don't think and it's... it's Vin Diesel? No, it's not Vin Diesel. Get out of here. <laughs> Pretty Get out positive of here. it's Vin Get Diesel. out of here. Look it up. I think I've heard that. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> Ba, we start. Ba, ba, na, Phenomenon. <laughs> that's how this movie starts. Yes. No, that's um, how this movie starts. Yes. I um, wish that's how the movie started. <laughs> would be crazy as hell. Amazing. Yeah, we, we start with John Travolta playing George Malley. George Malley. He's like the the center of the town. Like the he's like the Forrest Gump or like the Pee Wee Herman. Like he's like this lovable goofball who the town just kind of like rallies around. Is like they're like. Just all-around good guy. Crowning figure. The crowning figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, average dude who just everyone loves. Did they... Is are we ever find out, like, what part of the country this takes place in? Because I feel like... California. Yeah. Okay. Because they say we're... I, she's like, I'm driving to uh, San Francisco for the day. Okay. You can only really do that from California. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't really be like, I'm going to drive to San Francisco today from, like, Iowa. <laughs> so this is, like, not shout, because it has a lot of the same... This is um, Northern California. This is Northern California with, like, plains and fields yeah. and mountainous areas and all yes. that kind of stuff. Very hilly. 
Yes. Like I saw, like it had a very similar opening credits to Shout. Mm. There's a lot of similarities with this movie and Shout. I'm mm. not gonna lie, but um, yeah, I was like, is this in Texas or this like <laughs> I like I don't know. No, it's California. Yeah, California. Okay, but small town. Yes. Very small town. Um, but George, you know, good guy. Um, he's having his 37th birthday party that night. How old is John Travolta in real life at the moment? 42. 42. <laughs> uh, he he can he sells. He sells as a rough 37 or a good 42. Yeah, like it didn't bug me at all. I was like, yeah. he's not 37, but <laughs> you're I, like, I'll no, buy it. No, I'll buy it. Um, whatever. But he's he we meet like his little cast of characters. This movie moves very quickly. Like it starts r- almost right away. Yeah, we quickly um, like it lays a lot of like the you know the groundwork, the shoe leather down for his uh like his little cast of friends and characters. The catalyst of this movie is pretty early on. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. Nate uh, played by uh, Forrest Whitaker. Fat Forrest Whitaker. Oh man, no, I don't mean that as an insult. I, I miss I miss Whitaker, I miss Fat Forrest Whitaker. Why? Forrest Whitaker is too cut now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't hey, it makes me I, upset. If he feels happier the way yeah. he is now, then no, I, I like Forrest Whitaker in whatever shape size or. Uh, role he's playing but i won't lie i also kind of miss that <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, then, and then his doc uh played by robert, robert duvall, duvall who everyone just calls doc because he's a doctor i never knew what his name was just doc. is he credited i am to be his doc it says doc brunder <laughs> just doc. doc brunder you know imagine you're a doctor and your first name is actually doc <laughs> is there i have never met a single person whose birth certificate first name is doc could happen could it could it really could um, but you know, he's at this party. Oh, uh, we, we also we, meet, uh, Lace. Lace, played by Kira Sedgwick. Yeah, Kira Sedgwick, um, who's like his, his... Love interest. He's pining after her. Yeah, he loves her. She has two kids, no dad in the picture, single mom. Who, who plays one of her kids? I don't want to do this right now. Who plays one of her kids? She has two little kids, a little boy and a little girl. Who plays the boy? <laughs> it's the same kid. From... Mikey and look who's talking now. That's right. <laughs> our fa- our favorite movie. Oh no! Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> um, a little baby Mikey, John Travolta's uh, adopted child, is also kind of playing his adopted child in this movie. It's cute. We love it, and you love to see it. Yeah, he's got yeah. low blonde hair in this. Yes, very cute kid um but yeah and we there's there's a lot of fast exposition given in the beginning of this movie john travolta is a state like he's sort of like a he's a repairman farmer hobbyist but he's a, he's a re- hobbyist farmer hobbyist but a repairman career man but a repairman career yeah, he man, works mechanic. on auto body auto auto bots uh, body, but he know. also sells chairs <laughs> okay well so this is yeah so um lace but what said makes chairs uh makes these wicker chairs yes and she brings them to Travolta's shop, where he quote unquote sells, sells them. them which we, we find the find, deception. We out find the deception out later in the movie, which we'll get to. But um, but yeah, all this it it lines up all these characters that are in his life, and there's some like even smaller supporting characters like the townsfolk that are mm-hmm. around him that we'll see. But we've mentioned the bulk of the yeah, main we mentioned the cast. main characters. Yeah, yeah. So then it's his birthday party, I think, yes, right? His birthday party, uh, and he gets drunk, and he wanders outside. Yep. And looks up at the stars. And what does he see? Adam, what does he see? Uh, we don't know for sure, but it appears as lights. <laughs> a burst of light. I, said, I just said a light. burst of light. A, a burst, burst of light appears. A burst of light. Yes. And like zaps him. And he passes out. 
And then it's at this point we get a similar scene to Fire in the Sky. Yes. <laughs> the aliens are probing him. <laughs> 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 And they're shoving ooze into his mouth yeah. and like covering him with a thin. Pr- it's the aliens from that SNL skit where it's like uh, Kate McKinnon. Like, yeah, they were taking, they were slapping my knockers. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, None of that there, happens. There's, there's no alien. The there. Flash they're... knocks him out. He's on the. Yes, he's, he's on, on the road. He's on the road. And he gets up. And he comes back in. He tries to tell everyone about it. He's like, "Do you guys hear or see that?" And and they're like, like nope. "Ah, you're drunk. You're George. drunk." You're drunk, George. Go home. <laughs> so then he... Oh, no one else yes. sees the light. We missed a bit. We missed conveniently just before he sees the light. Doc gives him a birthday gift of a chess set. And everyone knows that John Travolta's character isn't the brightest. But mm. Doc decides to get him a chess set anyway. Mm. Um, conveniently, they start a game just before he goes out and sees the lights. And when he returns... He suddenly plays chess well and beats and Doc. Checkmates him in Doc. like yes. one turn. It, it so was... apparently John Travolta was doing fine enough <laughs> in the original game. Yes, that's because true. when he walks back at the bar, he does one move and checkmates him. I think it was two moves. Was it two? Uh, yeah, because he walks in, does a move, but they quickly glance over it. Then he does one more move and then says checkmate. And we forgot a, there's another bit that he we sort of lay down in the pretense of it, which he has a rabbit in his farm Yes, that can't get out. Mm-hmm. And so after he beats Doc at chess, he goes back home and he can't go to sleep and he makes this realization. He calls Nate in the middle of the night, says, I realize why my rabbit is can't get out. Because when I when I put those posts in, is that Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson. Is that Jack Nicholson? I, did you grab the beers? Yeah. Stu, you want some of the... Uh, Jack, j- come on, man. I got, I got <laughs> some of that uh, Miller Lite. Uh, Miller Lite? We asked you to get Summer Shandy. Jack. <laughs> yeah, I, I know Jack. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Jack. Yeah. We appreciate you, Jack. It's so weird that Jack Nicholson lives with me now. It's almost, it's almost like yeah. we've run this bit into the ground. But, except this isn't a bit because he lives here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah he, he calls Forrest Whitaker, Nate, in the middle of the night and says, I know why my rabbit can't get out because when I built the post and blah, 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 he finds a way to get the rabbit out. And this is all to show that he's like, getting smarter right away mm-hmm. this isn't like lucy yeah where she gets it's, a gr- it's not a gradual it's like, not a gradual thing there's He's a l- just smart there's like it's not it's like once he starts he gets smarter but at a very steep incline he just pushes himself more at the beginning it's like a snap he just gains this ability yeah yeah and um i'm trying to think of what happens after that um blah, 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 blah. <laughs> figures out his rabbit problem is well, getting smaller it, it's a, it's a very quick like montage sequence of him quickly learning his newfound intelligence and abilities there's like one tiny hint of telekinesis yes in the beginning so he gets tele- telekinesis really quickly mm-hmm. too and uh, he like starts checking out three books in the library and i yeah um like increasing his like knowledge through that way i just wrote down continues getting smarter <laughs> continues getting smarter yep <laughs> it's a montage bit so and then uh he starts trying to tell uh he doesn't sleep anymore right which is what he uses his nights to gain his like increase his knowledge and conduct experiments yes 
and he conducts experiments and he turns into a really good farmer hobbyist. Like, yeah, he invents new fruit. <laughs> he gets like solar panels on his yeah. house, and he's like got this fertilizer that yeah. like grows anything. Magic and... fertilizer. Yeah, um, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's actually a pretty cool sequence. I really like this. Uh, him just quickly gaining these abilities. This is like my my biggest beef. It's like all this is happening, and it's like cool. Why do we care? Because he's just a normal, nice guy. Yeah, I agree. I just think, like, wow, cool. This guy's <laughs> like, oh, wow, neat. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, there's no reason for us to really care that oh, much. See, if there was conflict, I'd feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> this movie's about watching a nice guy do nice things and systems yeah. try and push him down. Yeah. Otherwise known as the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. I, I would I would like to point out I'm using the Wikipedia synopsis for this movie to kind of like just keep our track. Um, the sentence list: George tries to use his new intelligence for the good of the community, and this whole synopsis um, is mostly hyperlink free. Like there's no hyperlinks like to other Wikipedia articles, except for over for the good of his community, which links to the Wikipedia page for altruism. <laughs> which I want to know who was on Wikipedia and was like, I gotta make that link to altruism right now. Oh my gosh um it's so then he he um goes to doc robert yes. duvall to see like what's going on with him and they they can't find anything wrong. they can't find anything wrong uh, and no one believes because doc is a piece of shit doctor <laughs> <laughs> doc is not the best good friend maybe not the best doctor <laughs> not a good doctor you know <laughs> uh, 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 we'll talk more about this at the end but <laughs> when they figure out what's actually going on it's quick <laughs> they figure it out pretty quickly. Like it's one MRI. It's like there's the problem. It's like we could have dog found just like from the take a little though. hammer to the kneecaps. And it's like is it still working? Fine. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. So yeah, he's get smarter, and I, that's when I write down to like if he's so smart, like why can't he figure out what's wrong? Because there be no movie. <laughs> if he's okay. like, yeah, I'm smart. Remember last week when we covered um, Broken Arrow? Yes. And remember how they patched over all the holes? Yes. I missed that. I <laughs> missed that a lot. This is movie very much is like, eh, don't think about it too much. He is, but you don't. Well, this movie doesn't have holes because you just telekinetically left over them. Okay. Stuart has just given me such a look of disgust right there. <laughs> yeah. I cannot I overstate this. Uh, okay, so... Yes. Um, um, but he starts sharing his new abilities because even though it's changed his like intelligence and changed that he can now move things with his mind, only small things like he moves pencils and pens. And, he never goes full carry or full chronicle. Yeah, he gets close at one point, but uh, for the most part, he's only moving small things. Yeah. Um, but he starts trying to share that with the people around him. Like he detects uh, an earthquake at one point and tries to warn the weather center and they don't believe him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're getting real ahead here. Well, I'm just listing the various yeah, things that happen yeah, yeah. around this point. Um, he, uh, you know, um, incur- like starts sharing his crops with the town and the ways that he's like redesigning farming. Uh, <laughs> uh, essentially, yeah. Yes, he's inventing um, a new form of farming. And I should pretense that, like, he's been making a lot of advances on the lace with no success. And so at this point in the movie, he then drives out to Lace's house. But he gets to a farm or field and finds your two kids. Yeah. So you guys want to ride back to Lace's house? And the first thing I just wrote down is like, what? 
He just picks up her kids. <laughs> he does abduct yeah. her children. <laughs> he, he abducts her children, and I'm like, okay, fine. But then he gets to her house, and uh, that's when like uh, she has him over for dinner. But beforehand, he then like steps into a hill somewhere, and he gets all dizzy. He's like, whoa, did you mm. feel that? It's like what? It's like that's my heart on for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what he says no. at all. Uh, if he did though, oh man. <laughs> Much more respect. There's a part where he kind of pulls that, where he's like, I feel something that's in my heart. Uh, he does say that to her at some point in the movie. I can't remember where. It's more cheesy, yeah. Yeah, it's a little cheesy. Um, not hard on, but mm-hmm. he does. He gets dizzy. He's like, do you feel that? And he's like, what? It's like those like magnetic waves or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I got to call somebody. Yeah. He call. He has an obscure phone call with somebody, but then he mentions earthquake. Yeah. And that's when it's like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Nobody believes him. He says, he hangs up the phone. He looks at Lace and says... There's going to be an earthquake mm-hmm. and it's the mute cue, the music. It happens all like playful music. Yeah. Like, Ooh, it's going to be an earthquake. Ooh, okay. Let's see. <laughs> and, uh, they have dinner. It's a fun dinner. The earthquake doesn't happen while they're at dinner. Although the kid does, the kid Mikey does, does fake like, out. Mikey does a fake out. We're just going to call this kid Mikey. Yes. Um, he does like a little fake out, but then he leaves and goes home. The kids love him. Mm. It's like, are we going to see more of him? He's mean. He's cool. He's nice. Make him our daddy. Daddy wanted. <laughs> daddy hey. Wanted. Adam, for your, the original title for look who's talking, uh, I've to becomes the kid's father. Their own title was Daddy Wanted. Nice. <laughs> Which is what we proposed should have been kept as the title of yes. the movie. It should have, have made no money, but I would have seen <laughs> Daddy Wanted. Oh my God. Um, it, after he leaves, mm-hmm. Earthquake happens. And then she gathers her kids into the truck. John Travolta makes it to his house and sees Kira Segwick pulling up pulling up it's like did you feel it she's like and she's like mad at him yes she's like how did you know how did you know and all this stuff then she looks up on her porch and this gets to the wicker chairs bit and sees all her wicker chairs that she brought to his shop to sell he's been buying them from himself been buying them to make her feel better yeah and try and see her more yeah exactly and And she gets mad about it yes and i'm like this is a yeah, nice. See, this is the conflict you wanted, Stuart. <laughs> exactly. It's a piece of shit conflict. No, because this is listen, This is the conflict. You, you, you're in, you're in a relationship, Adam. I don't know what your situation is, but like, not currently. Not currently. <laughs> me neither. But it's like, if I'm doing something like that for a woman who I appreciate and admire and adore, mm-hmm. and the reaction that I receive is one of disdain that I've been supporting them in their passion. But you were you were being deceitful about it. Yeah, but it's like I don't know. I, Sorry, um, you I, suck at making chairs, uh, but I love see, you. A, a Honestly, part... I thought those were cool chairs. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they were. An idea in this movie is the value of truth. And <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. No, I, I, Adam, I Adam and I are on the same wavelength. Yeah, like, yeah. There's multiple parts where he talks about like truth is more important than comfort in a sense. Um, and he was betraying his own ethos in that moment. So this goes to another beef that I have with this movie, which is... Stuart, I got so many beefs with this movie. Because, like, I see why a lot of people like it, but I, I remember watching this movie thinking, like... Like, when I watched Broken Arrow last week, it it's I had no effort watching this movie. Mm. This movie was 
effortful to watch because I failed to see the point, the variety of points mm-hmm. that's trying to make. So this is the issue with Perfect 1985, <laughs> 1985. where they're, they're trying to make multiple points that in some cases in Perfect contradict each other. Yeah. This movie, I feel like, has a lot of things to say that they don't know either how to say it or they say it halfway and then stop. Mm-hmm. And so it goes with, and that's where I think it's missing a central conflict that there's nothing to ground itself in. And so you just have this mishmash of a different plot points, different learning lessons and different uh, metaphors that all kind of mash up together to give you no solid point at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can make a new Testament uh, argument to it. But to me, it's always like, I never know what this movie was trying to say bef- until it was already over. Inherently to me, the idea, like, I don't entirely disagree with you. I think there's a lot of, like, um, back and forth in this movie. But I think at the end of the day, it's a, it's a movie about a guy trying to, like, discover his point and what is the point to this. Um, and it's very, it is very much a New Testament, like, Jesus story of a guy who has this ability and doesn't fully comprehend it, but just wants to share his, like, wealth and love with the world. Adam, you would agree with this? Yes, I agree to, with this. To you, is, what is this movie? Um, well, I think there's there's lots of conflict. It's just more nuanced, nuanced conflict. There's not a clear villain or anything, but um, like he's struggling with the ability. He's struggling. He, he Everyone in the community liked the old George, and suddenly he's the new George, and we see him slipping away from... What are we rooting his, for him to do? Um... I don't know, but That's do we need point. to know? Do we need to know? Yeah, I feel like you need something. Oh, like we're you can for look, him to figure it out. And, yeah, and we're rooting for the we're rooting for the community to figure accept him. Figure what out? It, the ability. <laughs> figure and it his out. Point. But all of these are very thin, without much. Like I feel like a lot of these are like, well, the conflict is is that he needs to figure out what he needs to do with his powers, mm. and that, that I feel like it, it, that's like a that's a subtextual arc. Mm. But there's nothing to like really concrete this movie down. Mm-hmm. Like again, I'm and I'm going back to like the the banker story or whatever. But if it's like there's something to do with like oh well like the town's crops have been failing, and that it's it's been really bad. Like maybe there's an interstellar bit to it or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just something that grounds this movie to where we can root for this guy to do to fix the problem that was laid in the groundwork in the Mm. exposition of the film. And there's nothing that's been laid bare. I wouldn't like that. It would take away from his ability. I don't know. The focus is his new abilities. You see more of his ability being used for the purpose the story laid out. The the movie is about him. He's the glue for this community at the beginning. And then this power turns him more into whatever the opposite of glue is. Um what would the opposite of glue be? Okay, um, sidebar, sidebar. What is the opposite of glue? Um, glue WD-40? WD-40. Let's see. Okay. So he's the glue for this community at the beginning. These powers, he tries to use it to, like, strengthen the glue. He's adding some more Elmers on. But instead, the community can't handle it, um, and he becomes the WD-40 for the community, and they're all getting separated and put apart from this. And then at the end, it's about how... With this ability and with the love he had for this community, he really did bring them all together. And the spoiler, but I mean, we're going to talk about the whole movie. The glue that he built lasts beyond his lifetime. I I don't, I, I the really reason why I don't agree, and maybe we should talk, maybe we should sidebar this for the end. 
Yeah. Because I think we're there's a lot more points to talk about, and then we can all gather at each yeah. all the points for the end. So I feel like there's a, there's a good discussion here, yeah. but I feel like we need our audience to know all the entire context sure. for once we have that discussion. Sure. So when it comes to the ending, like I have a comment on it, but let's yes. talk about it and get to the ending so <laughs> this, we can include there's that. In quite, our there's quite a twist at the end of this movie. Well, yeah. So okay, a earthquake happens. Uh, yes, earthquake happens. Um, the next day, there's like a little montage of him, like he's doing his farm work. He's going around town, reading books, all that stuff. Um, and then he has a moment where he rambles on to a i think it's a scientist i can't remember he's on a phone yeah, or, he's, or a professor at, from berkeley oh was it the professor where he's at one point he's like yeah here's how we can change he's like we're like plants uh and he's, he's like, like I'm photosynthesis just... is a model for us so we need to start doing that we need to start soaking up the rays using that as our own energy source he's like i can tap into energy now uh, and they hang up on him which I, too, would hang up if someone called me and said <laughs> photosynthesis is a model for us. I wrote in my notebook in big letters, photosynthesis is a model for us. Because <laughs> I think that's a very funny sentence. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about on a podcast once how if, if there was an alien species that operated through photosynthesis and visited our planet, they would think of us as barbarians because we have to feast on other animal creatures mm. for our energy source. And, so and I just, just think that's pretty... Instead of just walking out photosynthesis photosynthesis like john travolta in this way right this movie does make oh and there's i don't remember if it's right here. oh no it's later in the movie when he talks about the trees i'll get to that when he talk when we get to that scene the, the trees. trees yeah oh that's like the most significant part of the movie there's a, a lot of this a lot of shots of trees in this movie yes. oh, that's, um, that's the part that holds up that's the part that holds so up the, they're, they're like two two versions of this movie in my head the version that i knew when i was a child watching it and then like me seeing it last no. night when I watched it <laughs> and um uh a lot of things don't hold up from young Adam watching it and mm. current Adam watching it um but the trees yes the trees hold up um so we'll get to the trees <laughs> the trees hold up ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> uh, uh, something I'm really loving is I think we're both doing this is that we're intentionally being vague with Stuart to get him more frustrated <laughs> so, so that when we get to the end so that we get to the end and actually have this conversation he's just boiling with rage I am a little bit like every time Stuart's trees. like there's no point I'm just looking at him and like yeah exactly <laughs> like the fucking trees what <laughs> uh so he talks to this professor from UC yeah. Berkeley, um, and he's going all about this whole plant thing yeah. and the fertilizer. And he, he's just, well, no, he's there in person. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Because, because it's the guy he called about the uh, yeah the earthquake. the earthquake. And then he's like, he goes all about, and he's like, I'm just a seismologist. Yeah. Like I don't have any. He's like, we well, need to get me in a room with these people. He's like, I don't think I can do that. Like you're talking crazy stuff here. All the meanwhile, um, a new Portuguese family that's just moved to town. The father has food poisoning. Food poisoning. Pretty as bad. does his, his like grandson. Who's nowhere to be found. Who they can't find. And no one knows how to speak Portuguese in this town. So they send someone to grab John Trolls and be like, pick up a book on Portuguese on the way here. Learn how to speak the language. Talk to this man. Yeah. So Which Doc knows he can do. Yeah. Which that, that was the smallest sibilance of a potential conflict that I could buy into this movie. Where people start relying on this guy. Mm. for his powers and abilities which i thought this movie was going to head down towards mm -hmm. and it never does i'm glad it didn't head down that <sighs> route because i would have expected it because like and i'm glad it didn't do what it, i expected but hear me out here like 
I it would you wouldn't have to change much about this movie. All you have to do is just like add in the small single plot points of people asking him to do like, hey, make this move or do this thing or hey, like do all this stuff. And all he wants to do is like share his knowledge and work and and his like his wealth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that is present in the film slightly, but not to the magnitude that it needed to like carry any weight. Because again, where I felt that weight the most was in that scene with Doc where he says Call George Malley, give him a book that's in Portuguese, tell him he's got to learn Portuguese to help that thing out. If there were any more of those beats, two more, nothing else would need to change mm. about this movie. Nothing else would need to change, and it would give it much more of a strong central conflict. So you'd want to see John Travolta get worn out by being asked to do too many things? Not worn out, but just disinterested. disinterested. Because I think I think he, he he's burdened with... All of this, like, people aren't asking him the right questions. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... We do see that. A little bit, but not enough. I feel like there's a lot of that where it could have just been... Well, yeah. That is one of my biggest beefs with the movie is that there's just not enough. Yeah. Keep, keep telling... No, don't... Just keep telling Stuart that uh, everything is perfect with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> got to No. <laughs> no. See, this is why... Yeah. yeah no, okay. This movie could have been a lot more than what it was. It's definitely not a perfect mm. movie. It's not a perfect movie, but I admire the ambition. Yeah. Um, I admire the ambition, too. I... I there's a version where this movie could have been really, really good. And, that and I see it. It, get, see. it gets a lot of credit for me for just being kind of like charming. It's wholesome. Yeah, it is. It is all those things. Another one of my biggest beefs with it is yeah. it's too charming and wholesome. Like, like this community, like this community is like perfect. Better than Leave It to Beaver community. <laughs> it's absurd. Everyone is so perfect. There's no like crime. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, George, not a guy. Yeah. And it, it's like Andy Griffith, and then there's one female in town that exists <laughs> for him to fawn over. Yes. The one. Yes. Who's miraculously single. <laughs> Um, but he goes to this Portuguese family. Mm -hmm. Um, he's he, able to talk. He's read the whole book <laughs> when he gets there. He talks so Portuguese. he talks Portuguese and Doc's like, the guy's okay. That was my Robert Duvall's really bad. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, he's like, the guy's okay, but we got to find the kid. If we don't find him soon, he could be in serious yeah, he trouble. Could be in so Travolta asks him, where's the kid? And the guy says in the or in the orchard. Yeah. So, so they, they all run out and they all like are searching the orchard. Orchard. And that's when John Travolta starts feeling disturbances in yeah, the force. Yes, and he puts his arm up like the force, and he starts like twitching and like grabbing his gut. He can feel like, his pain. He's feeling the kid's pain. He's an empath, uh, and he starts like walking with his arm outstretched. Does that like, ever happen in the movie after this? Um, there's moments where he feels other people's like pain. When it's with the trees. Yes. We'll get to the trees. Um, <laughs> but I the feel like trees. A big part of this, uh, like the later sections of this movie, are he's partially getting like, um, like he starts looking worse and like feeling anxious and angry mm -hmm. because he's picking up the emotions of the town, who is turning against him. Hmm. And so, ah, I don't it, know. It, like, it's, he doesn't have a moment where he's like, ah, my stomach later. But he does, like, he continues to pick up emotions when what causes his change in the movie. On the surface level, it worked well with the Portuguese boy. Yeah. But then they decide to switch gears and make it more nuanced and metaphorical. Mm. But uh, he's, he's walking towards this kid and everyone follows behind him, including this Berkeley scientist who's amazed. 
Yeah, he's watching and, this whole thing and happen. He's, and then he sticks his arm out again, and there's like a bunch of wood sticks leaning up against something. That's yeah. one moment I hate. The the camera shows this obvious like fort, and then John Travolta <laughs> says, "I don't he know could, where he is." He could be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then Travolta sticks out, and like two logs fall over, and, and there's a ladder. To reveal like, oh, a ladder. ladder. <laughs> okay, another piece of beef. How'd the kid get up there and then move those two yeah. planks over it? He slithered and, and, underneath them. And he's in pain during well, this? I would presume the kid got up there before he was in pain. But he's if still... This is, if this is his little fort he hangs out, was I presume him and his grandpa up. playing like hide-and-seek or some shit, and then in the middle of hiding, he's like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no I, I think the, grand, the kid was like, hey, grandpa, I'm going to run out and play a game. And the grandpa's like, okay, and then... While the kid was playing a game and he was up in the fort, and oh, Grandpa was in bed, they all started feeling stomach pains from the food poisoning. <laughs> oh, okay, but they get him and they save the kid's life. They save his life, and the kid's mom's like, "Oh, thank God! I'll thank you, John Travolta." And she gives him a big hug and a kiss and all that. You know what's the one central conflict in this movie? Forrest Whitaker needs to clean up his house. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker needs to get laid. No, he just got to clean up his home. That no, it is the only. Central conflict that is present in this entire movie is that John Travolta needs to get Forrest Whitaker laid. We're going to talk about the next Forrest Whitaker scene because I think it is extremely funny. Um, (laughs) Beautifully um, shot, by the way. But she's like, if I'm looking for work in town, like if anything pops up, let me know. And and then it's just hard cuts to Forrest Whitaker's house. (laughs) Travolta walks. He's like, I got you a housemate. I got you a housemate. Because the whole time he's been looking in in, uh, Forrest Whitaker's house, be like, this place is a dump. You got to clean it up. Well, he's also been like telling him you need a woman in your life. Yes, he's been saying that a lot. Um, Oh, an earlier bit that we forgot. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's a hobbyist, like ham radio operator. Yes, this never got clear for me. He he's not a disc jockey. No, No, he like runs like a hobbyist radio station and then just surfs the waves. But he's like part of a uh, society that worships uh, Diana Ross. Diana Ross, <laughs> yes. And so he always leaves nighttime messages for Diana Ross. Did we miss the bit where like him and Travolta pick up like a radio signal and he deciphers it? Well, yes. that's what I'm getting to. Okay, yeah. Um, they pick up like a Morse code signal, and Travolta's like, "Oh, let me record that," and then he decodes it discovers it's a military communication and sends a response <laughs> not mm-hmm. a good thing to do now we jump back to where we are and he's just like yeah i got you a, a maid and all that and first is like oh, okay whatever he meets her and falls in love with her like i mean it's like he's like had her heels the second he sees her face and trolled has taught him like one sentence in portuguese well he he gives him like says what's how things you want to say like what's your rate and then he records in a recorder, you have the most beautiful eyes ever in oh. Portuguese. So Forrest Whitaker doesn't know that he's saying yeah, that these he's things, saying that. which I love this bit yeah. so much. Um, but yeah, he's doing that a lot where he's like, uh, can you come in next week? Your hair is like an angel, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are beautiful. You are. And he's just setting him up for, mind you, uh, an HR case. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, like he's um, setting him up to be like reported. <laughs> poor Forrest Whitaker yeah. uh, being conned. That whole <laughs> Forrest Whitaker thing, it's, it's, it's entertaining. It's but a it cute is, bit. It is one of my, like, it's, it's one of my biggest beefs with the movie. Adam, you seem to have a lot of beefs with this movie. I, I do, actually, Stuart. I'm, I'm sorry to say, him. Jeff. <laughs> well, I'm turning him. You're not going to turn me, Stuart. Yeah. This is but, still a great movie. But here, here for here, now, here's the thing that I find so funny. We get that scene with Forrest Whitaker, where like, yeah. and she's like, "I'll be back tomorrow, and we can discuss my rates." And gives him like a little wink, and she walks off. Forrest Whitaker's so happy. 
cut to next scene. The FBI is at John Travolta's house. Yeah. They're like, we just arrested Nate. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, literally, seconds after Far's, we just saw Far's Corner smiling. They're like, we just arrested him. He's in prison. <laughs> you shut down a military training exercise with your goddamn ham radio You know how response. much money you, co- you, you cost, cost Uncle Sam? <laughs> Bill me, is what he says. He says like Bill Sigourney me. Weaver in Alien 1979. Yeah. And so they, they send... Um, There's no resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he says it in Aliens, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, not nineteen seventy nine. So the the send. Uh, uh, so the, well, they exactly. can bill me, is what Sigourney Weaver says in Aliens. Sorry, keep going. They, they take uh, Travolta to prison, and they test him. And they test him, and they're like, "This guy can move things with his mind." Can't confirm. And yeah, well, I love this is the Brent Spiner scene mm. when he's like, "Name as many mammals." When I was young and saw this, I tried to mimic this scene as much as possible. <laughs> I was like, I thought that was so cool. Not moving pencils and shit. It was the name, as many animals as you can in time span. And he starts the time, he's like, hmm, how about an alphabetical order? He's like, um, Aardvark. And Aardvark, so on. you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he keeps going on, zebra. on. And then he says, and you know, Unicorn is a mythical creature, but you weren't being very specific. And he <laughs> and it, it plays these mind games with him, yeah. like Sherlock Holmes does in Sherlock in court. Him. Yeah, he's smarter than him. So then he's like, uh, if a man was born in 1924, uh, how old would he be? And he keeps stopping him. And he's yeah. like, uh, he says, if, if a person was born in 1920, like, how old would they be now? And he's like, uh, why does it matter? It's like, they gotta be specific, Bob. And he's like, uh, man. He's like, where were they born? And like, where were they born? Uh, New York. And they're like, why does it matter? And he's like, well, if someone was born in New York compared uh, to now, they'd be three hours older now than one thing. Right. And so he gets it right in the by the exact minute. Yeah. That he gets that and how old he is. And eventually, the FBI is like, all right, we let Forrest Whitaker go. <laughs> yeah, I pres- we never see if he t- if he gave her a rate. No, yeah. because just- when she comes over and talks about her being a maid, it's like we'll talk money. Yeah, and then next time we see her, she's pregnant with his child. <laughs> so we can assume that he just married her and made her do it for free. Yes, Forrest Whitaker Fucking knew how to get misogynist. Free yeah, God that's, damn it, that's Forrest the, Whitaker. That's the problematic yes. part of this movie. <laughs> like, it's very strange. Like. like Oh, Forrest, I just found you. I just found you this foreign woman. You want to uh, purchase her services um, <laughs> and make her your wife. Uh, and Forrest Whitaker does it. <laughs> and he does it like the fucking um, champion. <laughs> weird. No. Um, but at the end, they're, uh, they're like, yeah, we let him go. And George's like, okay, let me go too. And they're like, no. And he's like, I'll talk to the press if you don't. And they're like, oh, okay. So they let him go. But they still have an FBI tail following him at all times. Um, he gets back to town. He had stood up a lace at a date during this because he was going to take her to UC Berkeley for his like tests and shit where he was going to explain his like new gardening and whatnot, new farming, Travolt farming. Yes. He was also working on powering a car with a pig. um, Oh yeah. Pig manure, (laughs) pig manure and other garbage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Travolta is an innovator in this and uh, no one respects him. It's when he goes to the bar, right? Yes, he goes to the bar because he's just getting frustrated. And this is probably his best performance in this movie Mm -hmm. because he goes on this rant about, like, all the things he knows and he's, like, going on about it. And, like... Because everyone just keeps... Everyone's, like, accosting him with questions and... Right. They're trying to take advantage of his ability and have a distrust of it. Which, again, if they just leaned into that a little bit more, would have made this movie so much more solid. But he ends by, like, yelling at them all and ranting about all this. And then he 
like sticks his arm out and like shatters, shatters the, the glass with his telekinetic powers. Yeah. That's another one of the moments that still holds up. Yeah, it's and a good scene. It's yeah. a great scene, both in the sense of the shock value, but also in like his performance element. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all those na- all, all those things combined make it a really good scene. Yeah. And then we get a great Robert Duvall bar rant scene, which we'll talk yeah, about where he's later. Like, you don't did this to him. He wanted nothing. Nothing. And nothing. you took. <laughs> you all you did was take and take. Robert Duvall is a really good bar scene, but we'll mm-hmm. get to that later. So that's when I wrote down he's slowly losing it. Yeah. Which I guess to your point, you were saying like maybe he's taking on all these antics because of the frustration he's feeling from the yeah. town. Or he could just be frustrated and losing sleep. That's kind of how I read into it. Um, we then get a... Um, Wait, there's the, the one quote um, that he says in this bar rant. That's just like mm-hmm. my favorite quote in the movie, possibly, is... Um, uh, this was supposed to happen to someone, um, you know, wealthy, yeah. like, like a scientist, someone, yeah. Well, Why someone, yeah. yeah, he can't do anything. He can't mm-hmm. help the world yeah. in the, when he's stuck in this small town, he, he's not yeah. in the place to use these abilities for good. Like he wants to, he had it connections with the university. He's a man who's trapped in a cage. But then the government put that to an end. <sighs> Go to the press. Like. I don't know. I just I hear what you're saying, and that was a very valid point in the movie that I was trying to make. Is that this man in these circumstances was given all these gifts with his inability to use them? To me, and maybe it's just you know the generation I live in is just like really like nothing. Like you couldn't <laughs> do anything with it. I, he I, keeps I, trying, and no one wants a part of it. Like he he literally does invent a new form of farming. Yeah. The, the, he the invents car, a tomato that you pro- like an apple. Yeah, the and the car all, that. You can drive on shit. The problem that <laughs> all these are really good points that if the movie had just spent more time uh, digging itself into would have made it more solid. But the problem is the movie finds itself preoccupied with other things that I don't think are very useful for its time. Like the whole like, you know, lace and him romance thing. Like the whole like, um, like uh, the Portuguese, like, you know, kid thing, like. It finds himself preoccupied in so many other directions where it doesn't have give itself time to focus on those frustrations that he has and ex- and showing not telling those examples and moments where he has something to say but not being listened to. I I do agree with that. Um, I wanted to see a lot more of his struggles and less of Forrest Whitaker's romantic problems. Yeah, it's less of the cheesy Andy Griffith trying to court a woman. This movie is full of B B plots. Yes, but Um, it doesn't take enough care into its A plot. I feel like it's got the A plot that it has is good, but it's a very thin, neglected A plot. There, Mm -hmm. drop mic. I don't think it's as thin as you think it is. Yeah, the trees. Yeah. You see, you're missing the there, trees. There's going to be a part where I'm just going to look at Adam and say, go off about the trees. Yeah, uh, gonna... there's um, a moment at the end with, uh, what's her name? Lace. Lace, um, that makes her existence in the film worth it, and it relates to the trees. Okay, well, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Lace, after the bar scene, he goes over to Lace, yeah. or Lace actually goes over to his place, and then we get the haircut scene. Yes. She... Um, um, I don't want to close yeah, I my hate eyes. That. That's one of my other biggest <laughs> beefs. Don't want to close my because I'm missing you. Babe. Yeah. Um, I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> that's that's my other biggest beef with this movie is every single montage montage has 
the, some these, crazy 90s songs. Yeah, huh? these terrible songs that are either just way too on the nose or just completely out of place. I don't know what you're talking and about. Just this film should have won Best Soundtrack. Like, like <laughs> the, the movie, also the soundtrack only works, like the original score for the film only works on the scene Have a little with the trees. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like she, uh, rem- she sensually shaves him. Like his face. Because he has decided he's going to do a give a QA. Do an ask me anything (laughs) at the book fair. You know, if this was remade today, this would be an ask me anything on Reddit. Yes. (laughs) And things would go much better. Uh yeah. Rampart. Instead he does Um, he does a library QA. And he and so she prepares him for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, they kind of get close to each other, but they they stop before they make they make it official this is when we have to pause and go to the hair ranking cue the music welcome to the hair ranking um i'm your co-host Stuart elmore i'm jeff sweeney here to help Stuart with the hair ranking so adam um I don't know if you're well inundated with our catalog of episodes here at Travolting, but every episode, at least we try to, every episode we do a hair ranking of John Travolta's hair in all the movies, since it's such a quintessential part of his being. It decides who he's going to be as a character. It decides on what he's feeling in the moment. And I feel like it's such an important aspect of who he is that we have to maintain its presence in all of our show yes. episodes so um for this movie we he changes his hair about he changes through. his hair about halfway so, through where are we sticking with this well here's the thing like be, i said in the pulp fiction episode that even though the hair isn't particularly sexy or good looking it l- relays a lot of story assistance to who he is as a character and this movie very much does the same thing, where it starts off as, like, one way. And I would say the original stage of his hair is very much like the stereotypical dad hair, John Travolta. Yes. And if that was how it was going to be the whole movie, I would have put it, like, not dead last, but in that bottom yeah. category with, like, look who's talking. But then it gets disheveled. It starts to mess up a little bit. It gets some stub growing. And it's sort of showing how his antics and his anxiety is rising a little bit and how his frustrations are growing in deeper. And then there's the the haircut scene with the shave. He's like a clean cut in the library. And it shows his like growth and how he's ready to like get all these ideas out. And so for the purposes of the story, I actually really enjoy how it how it feeds thematically into his character. So can I can I take a look at the ranking, yeah. Jeff? I just need I need to it's not gonna go super high, but it's gonna go I would say put it above Bum, bum, bum. Put it above. Bum, bum, bum. Look who's bum, talking. Bum, bum, bum. Below Boris and Natasha. Boris and Natasha. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's that's a good spot right, to put. Uh, so yeah, here goes phenomenon. Phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really good example of the dad hair, but with carried over with thematic changes in the story. Yes. And that's the hair ranking. Have you heard of the McDonald's haircut? No. So I have a friend who refers to the '90s haircut. Um, where it's parted in the middle and it's long and comes down on the sides and then sort of does the thing there. It's referred to as the McDonald's haircut because Ooh. it forms an M around <laughs> the head. And he definitely had a uh, McDonald's haircut for a good chunk of this movie. Is that for the second half? I 
don't remember. Because that's kind of the the John Travolta like hair nowadays. If that's if I'm thinking of the correct hair he has in this. Isn't movie. he bald right now? Well, <laughs> when he had hair. Uh, <laughs> I like the John Travolta hair, and I'm getting some funny pictures right now, man. Um, I'm trying to find him with the hair. Is it this this one? This one. This basic kind of vibe. Um, that's close to the McDonald's haircut, but it's too swept back. Mm-hmm. This is one that just goes straight down yeah. the sides. Okay, so yeah, he gets that like halfway through the movie, and he has it for the second half. Yes, I remember. Like, I did not think anything of his hair. <laughs> then suddenly, I noticed he has a very McDonald's stark haircut. McDonald's haircut. Poor guy. Yes. It's Rough. just, it's very 90s. Rough. Dates the movie. I said what I said. It's going where it's going. <laughs> it's going where it's going. Um, so the library um, Q&A. It starts out well. He's just kind of explaining his, like, theories. Um, like, his thesis on, like, world. I, on, like, what he believes in. He starts explaining about the trees of... I forget what the park is. It's Aspen Trees. It's real quick. Oh, just yeah. careful breathing into the mic. Hmm. <laughs> that up a little bit. He's been, he's talking about the Aspen Trees of some park where there's like hundreds of trees, but they're all part of the same living organism. Like all the roots are intertwined underneath. And he's saying we're the same way, except our energy is between us. And we're all just one big living organism with this planet. Um, and we all share energy, like intermingling us. We're all connected in that way. Which uh, is how he's able to manipulate objects with telekinesis. Because he's just Sounds manipulating parts like of his body. Scientology. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, but it, everyone's like into it at first, but then people are like, you're lying to us. And someone's like, where's the UFO? Yeah, there's the one guy with just murder in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, you're a liar, you bastard. Yes. Um, there's a, a family who comes in with a dying yes. child and they're like, this, touch my son. This whole Please scene, put your hands yeah, on my child. That, act, that goes yeah. into the Jesus trope. But um, Yeah, it's literally like the Jesus thing of uh, touch my, heal the sick. But um, that's also, um, this scene exemplifies another one of my biggest beefs with the movie, really? which is um, things just escalate way too quickly. <laughs> it goes from zero to hundred yeah, really quick. Yeah, and just like to an absurd, almost comedic degree, like... Like, we expect this to not go well. Mm-hmm. And, like, we expect, like, yeah, something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to get but out of hand. But not only does don't, it not go we well. Don't, we don't expect, like, the guy just, <laughs> you're a liar. You're, you're not telling us everything <laughs> you know. Lying, and with just t- wide and, like, sunken eyes. <laughs> uh, and then and then a family comes in. And she's dying. Please, touch her child. <laughs> Where did they come from? Why, are they, why do they have their dead child at the book fair? <laughs> I think the child was dead, Adam. <laughs> carrying a dying child to a book fair. It's just a rotting corpse. <laughs> They're like, you're touching my dying child. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so that just, that scene exemplifies yeah. general there, beef with the movie as a whole. <laughs> There's a really funny line during that sequence where uh, someone's, where one of those guys who's like questioned is like, can you name all the presidents forward and backward? And he's like, no, but I can name some pres- some backwards presidents and some forwards presidents. And I'm like, yeah! There he goes. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, There John. he goes. Uh, um, and then uh, he, they, he gets it, overwhelmed. It escalates. It gets overwhelmed. And he flips over a table and falls over and passes out. He passes out. And before he goes under, he looks up and sees the flashing light again. Oh, yes. And I thought the twist here was going to be he loses his power then. And oh. after this, he has to learn how to, like, 
continue to be this important figure to people without his great abilities. Interesting. Which is coincidentally the exact plot of What Men Want, <laughs> the Mel Gibson movie, is that <laughs> he has this power, loses it, and has to like exist without it. Um, yeah. This is a better movie than What Men Want. Mine was a little more superficial than that. I thought this was confirming it was a UFO. Mm. <laughs> I literally well, we very quickly like, learned it is not. I, I, learned, I thought it was like, oh, like this is just a UFO thing. We very, Like you said, very quickly that gets squashed. But I was like, oh, if we're seeing this twice, like this has to be more than just like a thing, you mm. know? Like this has to be like some extraterrestrial thing that's giving yeah. him these powers. But we learned it's not. Yeah. So then he goes under. He wakes up in a hospital. In a hospital. Doc is there. And, and then and walks in it, Nate. Well, first Doc, because like Doc is there by himself. He's just saying some things like, "Yeah, you, you, how'd you, uh, you adjusted your heart rate or something like that." Oh yeah. And Teralta's just like, "I can I tell when my I can pace." He's like, "I found my pace, but I can tell when you're stalling." And he's, Doc's like, "I was waiting for reinforcements." And then Forrest and then, Whitaker, um, Kira Sedwick, uh, come what's in. her name? Lace come in. Yeah. Uh, the whole the whole town comes in. Uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholson walks in. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's there. Um, no, it's but just, no, and yeah. he's like, "Yeah, I checked your. We checked you. Put we put you through an MRI, and you have a massive brain tumor. Looks like a hand. It's grabbing onto your brain. It's and got tentacles like, and stuff. But instead mm. of brain degeneration, or uh, what it brain uh, degradation? Yeah, it's, it's amplifying stimu- your brain. Amplifying yeah, stimulation. Stimulation. Yes. And yeah. so it's like it's. It's providing a pathway between all the different parts of the brain that don't normally speak together. Yeah. And it's what's allowing them to have energy manipulation and, like, super intelligence. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's at this point we find out that it is killing him. Yes. And he, finds and he will die. And it's, like, in a matter of days or weeks is what we were told. Yeah. So not long. Not, not long. long to live. Had they have maybe, you know put him through an MRI when he first started seeing a yeah. doctor. Yeah, this is why um, I think Doc is a fucking terrible doctor, because he's just like, yeah, yeah, I think you're fine. And then just... He does, so, watching this again as an adult, I was thinking the whole time, um, Doc should have immediately said, mm. uh, let's put you in an MRI. Let's yeah. get a scan of your brain. Nope. Um, and the whole time in the movie, I'm waiting for that to happen. And at one point, he does say, you owe me an MRI. Very briefly. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and he then does he, and say then, that yeah. in the movie. And then you he owe gets, me a CAT scan. Or, he yeah. gets the owed MRI, and uh, so he has days, a brain yeah. It's a few days, few weeks, few months too late. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And um, so he's going to die soon. <laughs> I thought this was a, like not truth. I didn't think that this was going to happen. Uh, I was like, oh, this is just like the fake out. It's like the realistic explanation for the supernatural event that the movie's trying to pull. But the movie does something really interesting, I thought. Mm -hmm. It's that it makes that the real thing that's happening is the more interesting, like compelling argument. Well, and he says that in the movie itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because this... Have you you seen Glass? Yeah. The uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Have you seen Glass? Yes, I have. Um, where the ending of the, like, the whole movie is, are these people actually superheroes, or are they just people who had lucky situations? And the whole, and there's that, like, Emma Paulson, I think? Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Her society is, like, trying to deny the existence of people with amazing abilities on the planet. And then the, she almost convinces them, but the, like, the coda of the movie, the ending, is, like, amazing people exist. We should celebrate them. And um, 
these realistic explanations like aren't important. It's the story and what these people can do for the psyche that matters. And that's what Glass is the ending. And I thought that's what this movie was going to do is like they're telling like they're telling him it's a brain tumor, but it's really just like an enhanced form of existence. But it six with no, it was actually a brain tumor. It was luck. And Travolta's like, I would prefer it to be a brain tumor than to be a UFO or something, because that's something that's real and within me. And that means anyone can have this potential that I have to become what I am right now. Right. I might be a fluke, but that means we will evolve and become this one day correctly. And I think that's kind of a powerful, powerful statement is to push aside like the supernatural and be like, people are capable of amazing things and all that power is within us and cumulatively is one big society. Yeah, all that is very well said and done. I just wish, you know, the past hour and 30 minutes of the movie mm. said the same thing. Well, the movie's setting you up for that twist. That yeah. It's setting you it's up It's making you think it, it's going to be one movie, and then it flips it at the end. Not to its benefit, in my opinion. Mm. There's maybe a little too much business in the first yeah. half. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so then he talks to a neurologist, neurosurgeon. Yeah who is saying, like, hey, we're oh, going to yeah. try this R- surgery. Richard Kiley plays the neurosurgeon. It's bad, no expense. <laughs> it's bad, no expense. Um, and he's, the voice you're now hearing is Richard Kiley. It's bad, no expense. Um, so um, he uh, he's telling him, like, hey, we're going to do this brain surgery on you. He's like, I thought it was inoperable. He says, well, this wouldn't really be to save your life. This would be to explore your brain. Mm. This is one like, why can't you do it like when I'm dead? It's like, well, we can do it during an autopsy, but it wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say that exactly, but it's yes. kind of what he's saying. It's, it's what he's inferring. Yeah. And so that's when he goes on that long rant that you mentioned where yes. he's like, you know, this is I'd me. rather be within me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he says no, but then he says he wants to go home. But then the doctor puts in a court order that says John Travolta is not within his own mental well-being to make the decision. So he like he's going to force him. He's going to force him to do this brain surgery, which will surely kill him. But and Robert Duvall even says, like, you probably told the judge it would save him. It's like, I said it might prolong his life. What the Man- fuck, man? Maniacal. Yeah. Um, uh, so John Travolta is handcuffed to his bed. He's not yeah. physically handcuffed, but there's a guard stationed yes. outside. Uh, and John Travolta stages a breakout. He stages a breakout. He beats up his nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> he uses uh, his telekinetic powers to, like, crush their body into a marble yeah. and swallows it and for fun. <laughs> he actually he actually poisons his night nurse with sleeping pills, knocks him out, puts him in the bed, puts his costume, his outfit on, escapes, goes to laces. Of all the Doc, scenes... Doc's out there slashing cops' tires for <laughs> trying to find yeah. him. Of all this part the where Doc like, goes up to a cop car and he's like unscrewing the, <laughs> the air. <laughs> <laughs> There's Robert a weird Duvall Robert Duvall out. Um, of all the scenes where if you were a filmmaker and your thought like, Okay, where do we really utilize the telekinesis? That scene would have been it. I mean, right? <laughs> Crush his Not the harm the guy, but not like violently, yeah. but like telekinetic the keys and like unlock the door with your mind and uh, like move a can to make a noise to distract somebody. Like, I mean, any yeah. it would have been like a cool like yeah, use of his telekinetic cool powers yeah. to like actually escape this hospital with all yeah. these guards. But yeah. nope, he just 
puts him to sleep. I don't walks think, out. I don't that's think it. they. Uh, I don't think they really had the budget for that. You do an action sequence. <laughs> I'm not yeah. using talking the like, force and like flipping. Yeah. It's not even an action sequence. It's just like he goes him. full Magneto, blows them all open, and like flies out. Well, you know, like we're you, the future, Charles, not them. You notice every scene where he uses telekinesis, it's always objects that could very easily be moved by magne- with a string, magnets or strings. Yeah, and I feel like they were trying to avoid actually showing the telekinesis mm-hmm. as much as they could. Uh, all I'm saying, it's like you could, which is unlock a door. That's a sound effect. Yes, you could move an object to make well, it sound it's explained that's he, sound his telekinesis yeah. is very light unless he's yeah. like very enraged that's what i'm saying because like, there's the part where he like tries to like lift a pencil and he needs two hands he can push it with one yeah. hand and then lift it with the other and hold it in place this movie does not utilize telekinesis enough <laughs> enough nearly in as much but, as it but he escapes yeah, he, i agree he escapes and he goes to lace yes um and they get one last night together well, the cops, he, so he, this actually was an interesting scene that I liked, um, which is he go, he goes to laces and the first thing he does is he hangs out with the kids, yes. Mikey mm-hmm. from Luke, he's talking now the daughter and he's teaching them how to fix a car. And in the middle of it, Mikey is like, you came here to die, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Which is like guttural. Ugh. Yeah. Cause that's exactly what he came to do. And you know it, the audience knows it like, yeah. And so they're hanging out by the fence and John Travolta goes up to him and he, he shows him this apple and he says, you know, if we left this apple out, it would rot and spoil and die. And it'd be gone. But Adam's we can smiling. all take a bite from this and it becomes part of us forever. He takes a bite of it. He gives one to the daughter. She takes a bite out of it and gives one to the boy and he takes a bite out of it. It's a nice little heartwarming moment. The between apple the two of them. is uh, him. Yes. He um, is the apple. I'll eat it's of my body, commute. drink of my blood. <laughs> literally so okay so, Adam, so you didn't agree with the jesus trope no, but no, you no, were I, aware I, of that i was aware of that i was aware yeah. of that 100 <laughs> okay. like yeah so i came over and you were watching the last 20 minutes yes and the last 20 minutes included that scene and i remember literally as we were watching that did i not say it to you jeff oh i said it to you first Fuck i you. said this is the, i said this is the jesus story. well you said this yeah. is the jesus thing before the apple scene yeah. when the apple scene came up i said yes then this is the communion bit where he's yeah. like giving his body my onto, body and drink of my blood <laughs> yeah so I, I yes, yes, I get you. Yes. I get that. And then dies the and, next day. And he's saying we're all part of the same like <laughs> ecosystem and I'm to and I am to become part of it. And I and it, like in the existence of the universe, like people aren't actually gonna eat his corpse, but like, <laughs> he's saying like um, I when I die today, I will or tomorrow, I will become a part of every person who is in this town. So right which as that, that happens with the scene happen. with the kids, um cops show up yeah and he immediately hides lace comes out and it's uh special agent johnson and johnson no relation <laughs> from die hard uh it's not but uh they show up and the guy's like have you seen him and she's just like what's the point yeah and he sees tools in the hood of the car yeah bold of him to assume that lace a woman could not be working on a car <laughs> yeah he immediately thinks there must be a man here so he tries to get in the car <laughs> and he gets in the car and, and lace is like why bother why bother it's like what's your first name jack he's like jack how would you want to die mm. and then he just leaves he leaves and so uh george takes lace up to this tree on a hill yes um <laughs> takes out this tree on a hill trees. and he lays out a little blanket fucking trees man and the two of them start kissing they get down and 
Some music drops. Some music drops. Oh the, I, uh, I got to go back to what you were saying, Adam. It's like, yes, there are some good things in this movie, but the music cues and some of the scenes are <laughs> not, not great. It. Not <laughs> it. And, not uh, it. And the two of them, you know, make love. Yes. It's a really right, long scene. Right under the tree. And uh, what we the, what they what the filmmakers then show is Mikey with binoculars at his window watching <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they uh, they do it, and then they're in cut the, to their bed. Yeah, they're in the bed, still doing it. They have migrated from the tree to the house. Um, they're in each other's arms, and um, lovers embrace. He's just like. Um, you know, will you love me for the rest of my life? And she says, no, I'll love you for the rest of mine. Yeah. And he's like, this is it. He or, says, baby, this is, it's happening. Yeah. He says it's happening. And she and then starts crying. He just dies. And he just dies right then mm-hmm. and there. He says, it's going to be all right. And then just yeah. dies. And it, when he dies, it's, it's his eyes he, closed. He, he gives up his body for the good of the, the, oh, the he went spiritual with this. I yes. would say he just closes his eyes and he's a corpse. Mm-hmm. Yes. He gives up his body for the people. He becomes a part of the energy. Then the next it, day, yeah, uh, she's outside, and the do, uh, the, the UC Berkeley guy comes. Yeah, and she's like, "It's too late." He's, he's, he um, died, but she gives him all of his George's studies. research materials. Like, yeah. please take his lessons and pass them on. Stewart's like realizing what's happening, and he's really upset about it. He's like, "Take his lessons and pass them on." Uh, we cut to we and then Lace like after the press release, Lace like stands on the porch and watches the wind whip through the trees outside the of her trees. house. The trees. The trees. The trees. Adam, would you like to go into the trees? Um, are we finished? Well, there's one scene, but it doesn't involve trees. Um let's let's say this one Also I'll say the one scene. Yeah. Uh so we cut to a year later. It's now George's thirty eighth birthday party. Forrest Whitaker has impregnated the Portuguese yes. mom. And we we go <laughs> and we go through <laughs> well, Forrest back, baby. Uh, we go through the um we go through the bar and we see all of the various people who um, lives George, were touched by George. Lives were touched by George and how they all changed thanks to his ability and his like teachings and whatnot. We even see one of the side characters who earlier in the movie had problems with his wife yeah and they're back together they're back together a little background forrest thing, whitaker has uh, you know he's fixed his problems he's with a woman now lace is happy doc like feels rejuvenate like real he feels like he has a new life now like he had like he feels proud of george what, what was what was doc's growth change doc's change is that he becomes a believer was he not a believer earlier? Like because the, he says earlier that like I thought of you as a son to me. Yeah, he he always thought of him as a son, but he sees like what was special about George. And he didn't earlier he, in the movie. He did. It's hard to explain, but like but I think George like I mean agreeing with you, but it's also goes I think Doc into my goes problem. from the cynic to the believer in terms of mm. believing in what George's see I, I, abilities that, are. That I don't agree. I thought Doc's persona never really changed for me, which. I agree with all you're saying of what the scene, yeah. the bar scene is intending to do. Yes. I agree with all of that. But the movie did not lay the groundwork. A fly just literally flew into the, the blinds and then collapsed to the floor. It was really Boss. entertaining. It <laughs> got so tired of us talking about this movie. It's like, <laughs> end me now! <laughs> um, uh, and so, no, but like I agree with what the scene is intended to do, but yeah. the movie did not do the groundwork in the first two acts. 
to make that payoff yeah. really sell for me. I mean, it, it came, that scene still came off as a touching moment. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But that's where I go again into saying if it had done a little bit more of the work in early movie instead of wasting its time on all these B plots, mm. Forrest Whitaker with the Portuguese mom and Lace with the chairs and uh, all these other things, like that moment would have paid off a lot more than it than it really mm. did for me. But yes. I, I see what the scene is trying yeah. to do. Don't deny any of that stuff. And it still has a touching moment. And showing the impact of his teachings. Yeah. And yeah. the... Uh, his legacy living on among his disciples. <laughs> so that's the movie. Yes, that is the movie. That is phenomenal. Let's start talking about fucking trees now. All right. <laughs> about trees. So going back, do you remember when uh, George first gets really upset and he's hoeing his garden mm. like really angrily? This is when he's in like his bathrobe, he's disheveled and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. this like is the like very halfway first through the movie. Um, it might be. It's the very first time he gets really upset, and he's doing that. Um, I think it's before the mirror. Is it before the mirror? Yeah, Do you remember? It's, yeah before it's, the mirror. it's before the yeah, mirror. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but then he looks up at the trees, and they're just swaying. You just see the swaying trees, and then he starts to sway with the trees, and his eyes close, and he calms down. And that's the only time that the score for the movie works is whenever they show the trees. Um, then they show the trees again. There might be a moment in between it, but when he's dying on the hospital bed, he looks out the window and sees the trees. Mm. Calms yeah, down again. Lace under a tree. Yes, but um, you're wondering. They keep, they keep showing these trees and that it's the same music. They're swaying back and forth. They're significant. Then he asks Lace just before they have sex, um, like, how did you hold your baby? What did you do to calm your baby? And she sways back and forth exactly like the trees. Sways back and forth exactly like the trees were swaying back and forth. And that music plays. It's the interconnectedness between us and nature. It's beautiful, gave me goosebumps. Then when he dies, they she has the trees again. sway again. The tree, look, we see the trees swaying. All of that is great. <laughs> All of that is wonderful. If the movie had paid 5% more attention to that, it would have yeah. made this backer, movie a, a fucking it's, banger. Yeah. It's very subtle. I, I yeah. really like the tree because he has the whole monologue about like, you know, those trees that are interconnected with the root system. And the mm -hmm. idea is that like every time it shows the trees, there's always small trees and big trees. And it's, 
the trees and us are all part of the same organism. This movie is very weird. This movie is deceptively extremely weird. Yeah, it's got the, the idea really... of this movie is what if Jesus came in 1994 <laughs> and he taught that in we small town northern and Carolina. he taught that everybody was part of the same uh, organism, God essentially, and that we in the trees are all the same and we all share the same values and we all sway back and forth for comfort. Mm-hmm. Something as ancient as a mother comforting her baby mimics the motion of, a of tree. trees. And so it's, that's, just, it's, it's an, profound. It's an ancient like system. This is phenomenal, but phenomenal. One could say it's pretty good, but it's one moment in a two and a half hour film. Well, it is several, multiple moments, several in moments. A two, okay, in a two hour film. but it makes one point. It's one, and the whole movie's digging into this point. No, it's not. Well, <laughs> so, I, about the, this point. Yes, yeah, that is the main point of the movie. But yeah. the movie does then Diverse. meander away from it. Yes, and I agree. Um, it should have demo- devoted more time and uh, development to its main point. There was there was an earlier draft of this movie which should have been greenlit, but I can feel that this movie had a lot of. Well, let's add a love interest for this character. Mm-hmm. Let's throw in a love interest for this character. Let's throw in a B plot for this person. Like, mm-hmm. I can feel and hear and sense all the little hands and tweaks that went into this. Whereas I can, I it seems to me that there may have been like an earlier draft where it was a much more narrowly focused mm-hmm. that illustrates right. all your points. That you're and it got too there. many hands on it or something. Yeah, or too much like you know divisiveness. I don't know what it was, but I hear. All the points you agree with, I I see here, I witnessed, and I 100% understand they are there, and they are making a point, but it still goes back to my original thought, which is this movie spends too much time on other plot points to really solidify the spine point that this movie is trying to make as a whole. (sighs) So, yeah, I don't know, like... (laughs) All of this being said, I feel like we're all on the same page here. Like, yes, it, the, we're all on the same page. We just have different ways of saying it. <laughs> well, no, I'm it's moving. like the point that the the very soft and unfocused point that we're talking about is a good point, mm. right? The, tr- the trees, right? The trees the and all trees. that stuff. Yes. Um, but it's the muddy stuff that gets in the way of like that plot point, mm. and so, mm-hmm. and I feel like we're all in agreement on that. So then now leads to the next judgment call, which is how much of this muddied, unfocused point tips you over into liking this movie a lot, thinking it's okay versus not liking it. Because for me, it's like, I think it's, I don't know. Like if I had to put a Rotten Tomato score on it, I would, I would say it's not 60% fresh. I would put it around 50, 55. Mm-hmm. I would say because it muddies it too much for the point to really be solidified. And therefore I have spent a lot of my time in the movie waiting as, for it to make a as, point. As a movie fan, I can be, I can be swept up in grand, big ideas in movies and kind of let that overcome a movie that I think may be flawed in it's like individual scene by scene basis. Like one of my favorite movies is Prometheus, the Ridley Scott, like mm. alien prequel. And I think Prometheus has a lot of like scene by scene plot issues pop up, but I think as a movie with like this grand idea and these big like concepts it's exploring about like the like nature of our existence and why why does God create the devil if he also creates you know like 
the good and whatnot, what that movie's trying to get at while also being like a scary movie. That's one of my favorite movies, but I can acknowledge like it's a little flawed in parts, but just the big ideas pump me up on it. It's those big ideas, those hint of think, the big yes. ideas that those trip wires pump you up more yes. than the muddiness of the yes. scenes in between. Okay. And so like this okay. is this is well, a movie I that I understand that. And I'm not I don't like this as much as I like Prometheus. Like, right. Um, but I think the ideas it's getting at interest me so much that all the like muddy business stuff I can kind of like look past and not look past but it doesn't have as much of an impact on me it does make me want more of the big idea stuff yeah um but i I think this is a good movie i don't think it's a great movie but i think it's a good movie with some great ideas so what would you probably put it at um can't do rotten tomatoes maybe just a one out of ten i'd say like maybe like somewhere it's somewhere between a six and a seven i think yeah yeah okay yeah i would completely agree um, I absolutely love the big ideas and many of the things that happen in this film, um, uh, which make me personally love the film um, because of its concepts. Um, but judging it objectively, just based on form, how it's shot, and how it's put together, its pacing really kills it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just all those other muddy, yeah. muddied points that you know get us away from the main point of the film and something to even lean into that you said mentioned pacing and i thought that's something that leans into you said between a six and a seven i'd say mine is between a five and a six and one of the huge dingers is pacing the movie is two and a half hours long it's two. Oh, is, is it's only, only two? it's only two hours and three minutes it's still two hours yeah not super long but mm-hmm. it's got two whole fucking hours to make I think this point. podcast is almost two hours. Well, we're about an hour and a half in, mm-hmm. an hour and forty. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, which is great. I didn't think we have yeah. all this much thought on the movie. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a good movie. Um, but you no, know, you just mentioned pacing, and I thought that is it, almost one of the huge dingers that I have with this movie is that it has all this time to make its point, and it spends so much of it not. Yeah, and all the B plots. Yeah, but you were saying like in your concluding point. Um, yeah, if it didn't have all the uh, Hallmark-esque um, subplots, <laughs> um, it would be like it. Like this has all the makings of like a great sci-fi movie to yeah. me. Like it has everything, all the concepts there to be a really great sci-fi. But then there's too many things happening too in it bits. that make it feel like a straight to sci-fi channel movie. Mm. Um, so where, so, we, where would you put it? Six point five seven. Yeah. You're you're a six season and seven. Season you're season a six five. seven. Mine's five to six. I wanted to have one more point before we close out, and that is, I just thought of a movie that has the problems of this movie solved. And, and, no, Arrival. Ooh, great movie. So Arrival. First off, what is its concrete problem? It's got to solve. Aliens are here, and we got to learn how to talk to them. Very simple. Mm. But what's its overarching, like, subtextual, metaphorical theme it's trying to say? And that is, like... The nature of communication. The nature of communication through time. Yes. Yeah. It, and and the, it, the entire movie is spent on that point. Yeah. The entire movie is spent on that point. We don't have any of those cliches. We don't have any of those cliches, like... Um, like, you, you know, uh, if, it, if a pod blew up over russia and we spent a third of the movie talking about the political socio problems with that in arrival 
that's like what I'm talking about with like, or if we spent more time on the Jeremy Renner, Amy Adams love interest thing, or Forrest Whitaker, who's in that movie too. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we spent more time on his like post-traumatic stress disorder and his unwillingness to trust these people and these aliens, like, you know, if we spent more time on these things, it would have muddied the, Mm -hmm. you know, the point that it was trying to make. But Arrival is where it has a clear theme. I'm glad you said the nature of communication through time. It's fucking brilliant. Thank you for saying that, Jeff. Um, And it's spine, which is aliens have a ride and we have to learn how to talk to them. Mm -hmm. This just apply that to this movie, but mm-hmm. change its plot points to this movie and its cast of this movie, its setting. The Angel of it to this movie, what a fucking great 1996 movie phenomenon could have been. Yes. Jeff, do you agree? Yes. I agree. One, it would have been right up there with the best 90s, like Jurassic and Shawshank. Like, I, this would have been like, mm. holy fuck, let's watch Phenomenon tonight. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's instead of phenomenal, it's phenomena. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. What a great discussion we yeah, had. So about we just this had movie. a real good discussion. Yeah. I love this <laughs> so yeah. much. Yeah. I think that's about it. This this movie comes out. It's a surprise big hit. This movie makes really? almost like six times its budget. What was its budget? Thirty two million made one hundred and fifty two. Thirty two million. Yeah. So it makes a, it, it's a sizable hit. It's just a proof of. I'm just gonna speed through this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Proof of Travolta's like enduring success in these late 90s period. People like him. People want to see these movies with him. He's charming in this movie and people want to see that. Roger Ebert gave this three out of four stars. Said it could have been more challenging, but that's not what it's about. It's about change, acceptance, and love. Um, we stand right. We stand a king, Roger Ebert. Uh, yeah. Great discussion, guys. Great discussion. Yeah, and hopefully next week we'll have another great discussion when you folks listening can join us to discuss the film Michael, another weirdo Travolta movie where he plays an angel. Oh, God. Uh, we'll be joined that, that next week with our composer, uh, Michael, Michael Van, Van Bodegem Smith, Smith, because we had to consult a Michael uh, to <laughs> talk about Michael. That's awesome. Uh, we knew we had to do our due diligence, and we did it, believe us, folks. Yeah, thank you all for listening this week. Um, I think everyone's cleared up for the episode. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Find us at Travolting Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Email any comments or questions to TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Find me on Instagram at Stuart Elmer 95. Adam, do you want to plug your website or anything? Um, I guess you could find me on uh, YouTube at Adam Sleepy underscore um, where I share Blender tutorials <laughs> if that's relevant to anyone. <laughs> they are really fun. I'd recommend watching them. Do you have like a voice narration through it? I do. Oh, that's the ske- that's the <laughs> kicker. I know what I'm falling asleep to tonight. <laughs> How long are your uh, tutorials? Um, the uh. They range to about uh, seven to twelve minutes. Oh, fuck. I was already hoping you were about to say seven to twelve hours. <laughs> no, I was, was gonna say <laughs> that would have been if it was like an hour, like no problem falling asleep to that. Just play them on the loop. Yeah. Um, uh, and as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music and for guesting on next week's episode, Michael on Michael. Catch it here, Travolting Podcast next week. Have a great week, folks. Bye.